Uh, take your Bibles, go to the book of Jude. Don't you dare ask me what chapter. Thank you. Some of you got... Some of you... Okay. If one chapter, guys. It's only one. So go to the book of Jude, all the way to Revelation. Hang a left. And... Uh, we are continuing to unpack Jude, which is it's always funny. You know, God, man, it's just, he's, you know, praise the Lord. He's good all the time. Uh, sense of humor, though, because this was supposed to be a two-part study. <laughs> We're on part three today. We ain't nowhere near the finish line, all right? So, hey, that's all good. We'll roll with it. I actually think this is going to end up being a really good discussion in care groups. Uh, just the material, the things that are in here. And the reason why I say that is because... If you were to like take a survey of Bible-believing Christians and ask which book in the Bible is like the least uh, politically correct, Jude is the, is the most politically incorrect book in all the Bible. I mean, some of the stuff we're going to be reading in a little while, um, you're going to be like shunned. You're going to be, you know, you talk about losing some Facebook friends. You start calling names like Jude starts calling names, you're going to be in trouble. I'm just saying. Uh, so it's not a real popular book in our day and age when it comes to political correctness. Uh, God bless you. You just scared the whole front four rows <laughs> on that one. Go ahead, Randy, get yours out of the way while we're here. <laughs> so, <laughs> whew, I'm telling you, knocking it out. Front. And normally I'm the one that gets you all wet. I, I'm Anyway. Woo. Book of Jude, book of Jude, book of Jude. Um, we're off our game now, ain't we? So. Let's take a look, if we would, here. And I'm going to go ahead and read it again just to get the context of everything. Uh, notice, if you would, uh, the, the book of Jude. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy. Peace, love, be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he's reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in a sim similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality, gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, speak evil of dignitaries, yet Michael... The archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of what they do not know. And whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, 
In these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them. For they've gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the, in the era of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feasts. While they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, they're clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of His saints to execute judgment among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some, have compassion. Making a distinction. But others, save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present your, you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise. Be glory and majesty, dominion, power, both now and forever. Amen. Father, thank You again for Your Word. Lord, I pray that Your Word would not return void. You have promised that it would not. And so I pray this morning as it's talked about is is delivered lord that it would be done so in the power of the holy spirit lord i pray that we would have ears to hear what the spirit has to say and lord search our hearts let us confess sin let us repent of sin let us lay down selfish desires pursuits of the fleshly lust that oftentimes trip us and so lord may we go out of here transformed and changed as a result of hearing from you today Lord, may you truly be honored, exalted, and made much of in this time. And we'll give you the praise because you alone are worthy of our praises. In Jesus' name, amen. Contend for the faith. It's what Jude's wanting us to do. And if there's ever been a time that we need to do this, it's in the day and age in which we live. We talked about Last time how Second Peter is written close to the same time Jude is written. We believe Second Peter was written prior to Jude. 
And uh, you'll get into a little bit of 2 Peter tonight in your care groups. And we'll probably revisit it even today. Uh, if not today, we'll get into it in, in the days ahead. And in 2 Peter, there's this, hey, be, be aware, be warned. There, there's these false teachers that are creeping in. These people are coming. And Jude says they're here. They're here now. And as we'll, we'll kind of look back as we unpack some of this today, this isn't anything new. From the invasion in the, in the garden when Satan entered in to corrupt did God really say? There's always been someone trying to lead God's people astray and, and, and the natural man astray um, with false teaching. And so Jude's saying, look, you got to contend for the faith, guys. We need to be ready. And so in this section of Scripture we're going to focus on this morning, we, want to, we really want to hone in on who are these apostates? Now, the word apostate is not used here, but this is definitely who they are. Uh, uh, you know, Acts is often referred to as the Acts of the Apostles. Well, this Jude could be claimed the acts of the apostates because we get a good picture of what an apostate looks like in this letter, in this book. And so who are these apostates? We're going to take a look. Here's an outline uh, that we've been working with. We're going to kind of change it up a little bit uh, this morning. Uh, but, but let's see what we've got. We talked about the called in verses 1 and 2. And again, the importance of knowing who you are. Guys, that's foundational. Who are you in Christ Jesus? Not who you are and what you do. Not when somebody says, hey, uh, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. We almost always start, especially us men, with what we do for a living. That's not who you are. What you do for a living doesn't define you. You know, uh, oftentimes, again, moms will start with, well, I'm a mother. I've got, uh, I, I, I'm a wife. And we oftentimes start, and look, I'm not, I get it. It's just conversation. But I hope we fully understand your identity is not in that you're a mother or your wife. That may be a, a, a description and how it plays out of who you are. But you are a child of the king. You're, you're a daughter of the king. You're a son of God. I mean, we are, we are, our identity is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so if you really want to know who you are, you want to understand your purpose in life, you have to look at who you are in your identity. That's the only way you're going to work through your circumstances, your problems, your struggles, your woe is me's, is understanding how God sees you, who you are in his eyes. And then that, that transforming grace that he provides changes your outlook, changes you from the inside out. Your inner man is renewed because you're actually beginning to understand and discover who you are. And man, that looks a lot different. Just on a practical sense. Let's just imagine for a second, you, got, you found out, you, you got a letter from somebody from Uganda, and it wasn't an email scam, and you actually were a, 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 a prince, a prince. Uh, ready to take the throne, or a queen getting ready to take the throne. It just discovered that you were in the lineage and it was your kingdom to inherit. And now all of a sudden you came into discovering you had these untold privileges and riches. You're overseeing a, some whole kingdom. And everything that came with that title. Don't tell me you wouldn't live different. It would affect who you are. It would affect who you, how people interact with you and how you interact with others. Guys, i got news for you. You're a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. How much more different should we be living as ambassadors for Christ? And that's what Jude wants to get at. So he comes right out of the gate. Not flaunting his title. I'm... No, he's not doing it that way. In fact, he says, I'm a bondservant. I'm a slave. He didn't come out of the gate, I'm Jesus' half-brother. Yeah, yeah, I grew up with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, he comes right out of the gate of acknowledging, I'm a servant. 
Guys, we're servants. We're the calling. And so we talked about also we're the contenders, verses 3 through 4. And, and understanding that uh, the heart of this message is for you and I to contend earnestly for the faith delivered once. The, to me, this is a real sticking point, especially as you get into liberal theology. Because when, if you've ever been combative and contending, and by the way, the story I shared earlier about Kenny, the manager, okay, it was because I was contending for the faith with a professed homosexual who is involved in the ministry in Episcopalian church. Okay? Now, I grew up with him. I treat him as a friend, but I do not believe he is teaching and preaching the Christ of Scripture. And this is what Jude's talking about. And so, I was contending for the faith. Because, see, he would say that it's like fluid, it's evolved, it's a liquid, it's changing. That's how the grace of God in their church flows. And so there's constant changing. But that goes against the very word of God. This stands forever. God who's immutable, unchanging. And again, I'm, I know I'm not probably giving a fair representation. This is, this is the problem when you have these kind of dialogues. Sometimes it's either side and either side represents probably each other really well. But I know this. The doctrines in which he stands are not the doctrines on which the Scripture teaches. And that's clear. And if there's ever been a book that really exposes that and shines light on that, it's the book of Jude. And so we're going to see that. So we're contenders for the faith. But what about the cursed? Because that's who these people are. That's what this passage says. And that's, I mean, that's kind of a tough pill to swallow, isn't it? Because a lot of these people, whether they've knocked on your door, handing you a Wake magazine, or pop willies up on your front lawn on their Mormon bicycles, I mean, whoever these isms are, they seem sincere. They seem nice people. And they are sincere. And they are nice people. But they're sincerely wrong. And they're morally bankrupt because they do not have the righteousness of Christ. And so it's important that we not allow emotions to govern our insight into what is true and not true. I mean, subjectivity creeps in when it's left to our emotional uh, uh, feelings. Guys, we have an objective truth, a standard that we're anchored to, and it's the Word of God. And, and the Word of God reveals who these cursed are. So, so who are these cursed? Well, you get a, you get a little, little idea looking at these pictures. We're actually going to, Jude's going to unpack each of these pictures. I'll give you, give you a, little, a little second to kind of soak in each picture. And as we begin to unpack each of the verse uh, through here, descriptive terms that you'll find here in the Word of God, you'll see some of these that are play, played out. You see those two guys creeping in? They're creeping in. No, that's not the, you know, the flamingo uh, karate kid pose there. That's, not, that's, not, that's somebody creeping in. Okay. So who are these cursed? Well, let's take a look. The cursed. Here's what we're going to see in today's study. Again, I backed it up a little bit. I know your, your part three we didn't go back this far, but in today's study, we're going to back it up to get the context of, of who these people are. And I want you to look at your Word of God. And as you see this phrase, go ahead and underline it. I'm going to go ahead and give you the, the, the pass to write in your Bible here. Underline, these are. You see the word these. Notice what you'll see. These are ungodly dreamers. Verses 8 through 11. These are spots. Or maybe your translation says hidden reefs that cause shipwreck. These are spots, verses 12 to 15. 
We're also going to talk about these are grumblers. All right, I'm not talking about your stomach as we get closer to lunchtime. But these are grumblers, verses 16 through 18. And then we see these are sensual persons. And we talked a little bit about that last week, but we'll get into that, especially when we get to verse 19. These are sensual persons. This is who the cursed are. This is what the Word of God says uh, about them. So these are ungodly dreamers, verses 8 through 11. And you'll recall we kind of covered most of this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I, but I do want us to, to look at this again. He says, likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. And recall that we talked about this, how that word dignitaries is actually the word glories. It's, it's where we, um, uh, the idea of, of angelic beings, and we talked about how they were present in the delivering of the law and they're protectors of the law. And, 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 and so these cursed people, they don't have reverence for the angelic realm. Uh, and, and so uh, oftentimes we see this played out in the church age today, an age in which we live. You'll see a lot of these heretics on TV, certain channels, uh, TBN, TCT. By the way, guys, don't waste your time on those channels. I know you might once in a blue moon see one or two good people on there, but it's really hard to find good uh, Christ-centered Bible teaching on any of those channels. NRB... Yes, that's a pretty decent network. It's the opposite. Uh, for the most part, you're going to find some solid teaching on NRB network. Guys like John MacArthur and, and uh, David Jeremiah. and uh, You've got uh, Wretched Radio. And so there's several good teachers on there, but I don't recommend too many in the way of TV preachers. But you'll see a lot of times with these dreamers, and they're, they're speaking to the demonic realm, and they're commanding and, and, and telling these fallen angels what to do and what not to do. And that's completely against the Word of God. In fact, he gives the example of how Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring in a, 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 a railing accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these, they speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts. And it's interesting, he refers to them as uh, these false teachers as those who, they go on instinct. The word that's used there in the Greek is where we get the word illogical from. They're illogical. They don't even use logic. They're not, not reasonable. They just act like, like a brute beast. Very interesting, when you think about Nebuchadnezzar, it comes to mind. Um, now, in that situation, you see the judgment of God when Nebuchadnezzar was, remember, crawling around eating grass? like a wild beast. Now, again, arguments made later that he is uh, brought back from that. Obviously, he is. Scripture verifies that. Even history documents that the King Nebuchadnezzar was gone for a while, not real sure according to history what happened. Well, we know the history. We've got the Bible. We've read it. But it's given in a judgment form. So when you think about these dreamers who reject authority, these are the same type of animalistic reaction that we would find uh, such as that. You know, interesting, we were doing a study a couple of Sunday nights back when we were doing our Sunday night study, and some of you that were there, we watched a clip from teaching the prosperity gospel, the word faith movement that has made its way into Africa. And I don't know if any of you heard recently on the news, but we saw this clip and I thought it was crazy that the 
preacher, evangelist, told the people to go out into the yard and eat grass. And these people, like wild animals, at a revival meeting in hysteria, go out and begin to eat grass like cattle. They then brought them in later and began to have them drink gasoline. And these people were drinking gasoline. And this is supposed to be in the name of Christ? Are you kidding me? That week after I saw that, it was in the news. Some died because of the drinking of the gasoline. You think? It's illogical, people. You don't drink gasoline. If you feel like you're running out of gas, don't drink gasoline, okay? That's not what they mean. But it just goes to show, and these people, oh, they're sincere. They think this is how they're going to get closer to God because a false prophet is corrupting the Word of God and telling them and teaching them these things. And no doubt, they're being led astray by seducing spirits. That's what the Word of God says will happen in the end times. Jude is exposing these lies. He's exposing the heretical teaching. That's not just in Africa, guys. Guess where they got it from? They got it from America. The word faith movement, the prosperity gospel that is flooding our streets in America is now being shipped overseas. Those of you who have been in Larry's study um, in Revelation, it's a clear picture, isn't it, Larry? When we get to the end, before, the, uh, before it all breaks loose, you've got a pure church and then you've got a harlot church. It's clear distinction. The Bible says there'll be a great apostasy, a great falling away from the faith. Many would apart, setting up for themselves teachers to tickle their ears. It's hard to find solid Bible teaching and preaching in America today. There are very few churches, and it's not to, that, that's not being delivered in some pious as if community Baptist has arrived. Listen, guys. Some of you have been out there. You've told me. I've visited a lot of places. I interact with a lot of professed believers. People have departed from the authority of the Word of God. And they're, they're following man's interpretations. They're leaning on man's understanding and man's wisdom to lead them. As opposed to simply standing firm on the faith and contending for it that was delivered to the saints once and for all. We don't need new revelation. We don't need new in revelation. You have all the revelation you need to live a godly life. What we lack is obedience. That's what you and I lack. So these are ungodly dreamers, verses 8 through 11. Then he gets into three examples. Uh, notice what he says. He gives three examples to describe these guys. He says, they're like Cain. Notice verse 11. For they've gone in the way of Cain. Well, let's stop right there. What way did Cain go? Well, think about it. From the beginning there, God gave instructions on how he was to, to receive worship. Abel was obedient to what God had asked. Cain was not obedient. In fact, Cain, and again, I think Cain was sincere. I think Cain meant well. What was Cain's skill? 
Oh man, he knew how to farm. He was a farmer. Now, let me tell you, okay, and he could do he could do some farming, buddy. He had the best crops in town. And so I'm sure in his thinking, you know what? Man, God deserves the best. I'm gonna give him my best. There's some pride in that, guys. And so I believe when he brought that stuff to, to God, I think he was probably welling up inside. God's gonna love this. Look what I brought you, God. Oh, yeah. No doubt shunning Abel's in, in, in attitude. I'm glad I'm not like this guy kind of attitude, right? We see that through Scripture. Cain thinks, he thinks, he's doing right. And it's rejected because it wasn't obedient faith. He was trying to please God in his way. That's what religion's all about. Doing what you think's best. God's already told us what's best, and we can't improve upon it. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the sacrifice made and given on our behalf. It's His righteousness I need, not my own self-righteous deeds. Not what I can do or not do. It's done. And so no doubt, Cain, that's the way he went. But guess what happens in the story of Cain? And go back and read it, and if you want to visit tonight, that's fine. Cain's at a crossroads, right? He's at a fork in the road. God shows up in his life. He's at a fork in the road. But what does Cain choose? He chooses to harden his heart when corrected. And that bitter heart is what causes him to then lash out at his brother and kill him. Guys, I got news for you. When you, begin to when you begin to contend earnestly for the faith, you're going to have professed brothers who are going to hate you for what you're doing because you're exposing the error in their life. You're pointing out the truth. And actually, it's not even you. It's God working in you and through you if you're being obedient and sharing your faith in the manner and way in which God wants you to share it. He says we're always to be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within us with gentleness and meekness. It's not going looking for a fight. Abel wasn't looking for the fight. Cain brought the fight, right? So just know that when we contend for the faith, you're going to have liberal theologians. You're going to have people of the word faith movement. You're going to have people who... who uh, are of the Mormon faith, the Catholic faith, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, those isms, those who hide under the umbrella of Christianity that claim Christianity, they're sincere, they're nice people, but they're sincerely wrong. Because the faith that has been delivered once, once, it's done, it's written, we have it, the revelation's here. You now possess it. And you are being asked to Contend for it. So don't be surprised when they hate you for it. Don't be surprised when they speak evil of you. Now let their evil speaking be done because of your good. You're doing it not in winning an argument. You're not trying to do it to, to put another notch in your belt in the debate. No, you're doing it because you genuinely love them and you want them to come out of error so that they might understand the truth. And so your motivation is one that is to be obedient to what God has called you to do, and that is to contend for the faith. These guys have gone in the way of Cain. 
He also says they've gone in the way of Balaam. You know the story of Balaam? Now, Balaam's a unique character. So he's, he's not a, a Jewish man. He's a... What, 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 what ite was he? Um, anyways, he's one of those ites. Not a Canaanite, not a... Minute? Min, was it maybe... No, he wasn't a Mennonite. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he's one of those ites. Uh, but he was, not, and he was not Jewish. And so ends up that Balaam, unique character, because he was gifted with prophecy from God. And the problem with Balaam was that he began to go in the air of financial pursuit. Talk about buying into the first prosperity gospel. Balaam was the, he was the proponent. He's the one who launched it. That's nothing new under the sun, guys. And so this prophet became a prophet for hire. And so the enemies of the Israelites, and you can go back and read, I think, Numbers 22, somewhere back in there. Uh, anyway, you can check out the story uh, of Balaam. And so he's, he's want, they want to hire him to pronounce a curse on Israel. But now wait a minute. You know what the Word of God says. Blessed are those who bless, right? Talking about Abraham's seed. Those will be blessed. They'll be cursed, those that curse you. So, so Balaam's not going to curse those people. He knows, he knows enough about God's Word to know he ain't going to do that, at least in the beginning. And he knows he can't. God talks to him, says, you're not going to do this. You know, some men are going to come to you. They're going to want you to do this. Don't, don't do it. Don't go with them. And at first, he seems to stand firm, doesn't he? But it's not long as you begin to read the story that Balaam eventually gives in. But he doesn't give in in the way that you might think. In fact, he ends up saying, well, I'm not going to curse them, but I can tell you how you can beat them. So there's a compromise, right? Again, interesting story. Revisit that, and as you go and unpack it, um, it, it, it becomes, if, if you're not, again, do your homework on it. Maybe I need to unpack that one one time. Maybe we just do a message on Balaam. But anyway, he's the one, remember, comes riding along on the donkey. Angel of the Lord stops in front of him. He's trying to get the donkey to go. Uh, he, he, he's, so it seems like God's almost stopping him, but God has just told him to go previously. He, God says, okay, fine, you want to go, go. But then it seems like God's trying to stop him. So there's a lot going on in Balaam's life, in Balaam's world, but in the end, here's what you need to know about Balaam. In the end, he did what he wanted to do. And he was more concerned with the money than he was the message. And guys, all you got to do is flip on the TV channel and you can see a lot of people carry a Bible, name the name of Jesus, share sometimes good messages, sometimes preaching the Word, but their motivation is the almighty dollar. Those are the examples Jude gives. He says this will be part of their evidence. When you start hearing somebody say, Sow a seed into... You can already chalk it up right then. You need to throw that phrase out. Sow a seed in the ministry of, you know, and, and you'll reap. That's the, that's the kicker. Now, I, I know sometimes we, we adopt language. I get that. So, so I don't, you know, I want to be careful how I say that. But it's on the other end where they say, uh, uh, you'll receive. In other words, give and you'll get. That's a bad motivation, guys. You don't give to get. That's not why you give. That's not why you give. If that's what you've been taught, you've been taught a false teaching. 
You don't give to get. You give because God has given all. And He's worthy of our praise. And everything that we have is His anyway. So you ain't giving God nothing. <laughs> you know? You're living a surrendered life in obedience. That, that's what we're slave to righteousness, man. We do it at a motivation of because praise be to God. He loves us. He's given us life for us. But Balaam, he's one of the cursed. And you, you know his advice to the enemy was intermingle with the Israelites. And it won't be long that that generation will be compromised and then you'll be able to have victory over them. And that's exactly what happens. Guys, you know that's what happens in the church? We compromise. We compromise what we believe. We begin to turn a blind eye. Well, they're, they're brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, they believe a little different than what we believe, but they're, they're nice people. Oh, they're sincere. They're just in, you know, just certain things. Guys, there's a reason why we have a statement of faith. I, I, I advise you to do this. Check out some of the main, na main name denominations around, some of the main churches, big churches around. Go on their webpage. See if you can find a statement of faith. Brother Dean, we used to couldn't do, you, you didn't dare go to a church without wanting to know what statement of faith was, did you? Back in the day, statement of faith was everything. This told me who you are, what you believed. I, it amazes me how some of these main... Here in our area, I'm not talking big time, you know, national stage. I'm talking right here in our own area. They don't even have a statement of faith. You don't know who they are. You don't know what they believe. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Now, that's not to say that, that, you know, again, we need to, as we go through the Word of God, if we ever find things that... Uh, it, that Scripture clearly teaches that we're not adhering to, then we need to adjust ourselves, not adjust Scripture, right? Because that's our standard. The Word of God is our standard. Balaam, Cain, these are examples of these dreamers. Then he talks about Korah, and again, uh, and, and Korah, and I think that's in the, the Numbers passage where you, you find, here, here are these guys that show up with... Moses and Aaron and say, you know, look, come on, guys, y'all got a lot on you. Let's take a little load off of you. Y'all don't need to be doing everything. Let us do a little bit. Sounds good, doesn't it? Problem is, if you go through and read that uh, passage of Scripture in its detail, they end up saying, you know, look, you're not the only one that has the Holy Spirit. We got, we got God with us too. And then there's a large number of people that they end up leading astray because what they actually are doing is undermining the God-given order of authority within the local church. In that case, it's within the people of Israel. But it happens today in the, in the God-given order of the local church. Church wasn't there then. They spoke on that. But you get the example there because, and this is what, this is what Jews are arguing for in the church age. He says, look, these people are like, those that, like Korah. They're in your midst. They come in unnoticed, they look like one of us, and then they begin to undermine the authority within the structure, what God has ordained. You need to be real careful of that, church. Now listen, if myself, Pastor Nate, Pastor Dean, if we, be, if we begin to ever teach anything that's contrary to Scripture, you better hold us accountable. And there's a way to do that. 
Bible says don't bring an accusation. Don't receive an accusation. It says don't receive. In other words, somebody comes up and says, Hey, Quinn, did you know your pastor, blah, 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 he don't receive it. He don't receive it. Because the Bible says without two or three witnesses. Now, two or three of you come up to Quinn and say, Quinn, I don't know, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but we're, we're letting you know because I, I know, you know, Pastor comes out and buys your shaved ice all the time. So maybe, maybe you could talk to him next time he's there. Um, we saw him take your shaved ice and go to the liquor store and begin to put some liquor in it. I'm just saying, we saw it. We were there. We watched him mix it. We saw him drink it. We saw him laying in the side ditch afterwards. Because that's where you end up, kids, if you get on that mess. So just remember that, all right? Don't get on that mess. You end up in a side ditch or a van down by the river. So That's an eyewitness. You've got to hold them accountable, right? Then you come and you follow Matthew 18. You do what's according to the Word of God. But you don't receive garbage without proof, Right? Need to be careful. Korah, they begin to murmur. They begin to kind of get their little side pocket. I don't know what, what in the world Moses is leading us out here to die. I tell you what, if I was leading, I know what I wouldn't be leading like that. And you know that's easy to do, guys. And you know what? Can I just say? Is reading through this? If we're honest, if we're honest, we all struggle with that sometimes, don't we? Not just you don't have to confess out loud. Yeah, Pastor, we have a real problem with your leadership. That's not what I'm saying. But just leadership in general, don't you? I mean, it doesn't matter if it's your boss at work. It doesn't matter if it's your teacher in the classroom. It doesn't matter if it's mom or dad. Right? I mean, the reality is we all struggle with authority figures. But do you know, and if you go back and read the story of Korah, do you know what God says? Your problem's not with Moses and Aaron. Who's their problem with? It's God. Because God has ordained the order. Don't get mad at mom and dad, kids. God gave them that role. That's their position. That's, who they, that's, that's where they're serving Him. That's where they're at. Now, they need to be serving Him right. Your boss at work, he may be lousy. But you know what? God has you in that role... And it needs to be a role that honors God in submissiveness. Now, if your boss is asking you to do something immoral, unethical, or illegal, that's a whole completely different ballgame. And same thing in the house of God. If Pastor Nate, Pastor Dean, Pastor Jeremy is leading you contrary to Scripture and it's something that's sinful, absolutely, you have a differing responsibility. But guys, if it's because you don't like a preference, you don't like management style, you don't like the way we govern, be careful. This is a hard thing for me to pass. Uh, to put yourself in my shoes for a second. How do you talk about the role you're in to people who aren't in that role? I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's a hard thing to do. I'm just being real for a second. It's like a flash of transparency. I've been struggling. Well, Lord, how do I tell this? And it's just, this is just his word. Jeremy, what, get yourself out of the way. It's nothing about, and he's right. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with him. It has everything to do with him. This is his role. If you don't like your role and responsibility and where he has you, that, take it up with him. 
But we have a responsibility in all of our roles, regardless of what it is, whether it's at work, whether it's in the home, your lot in life, to do so in the authority of Scripture, to follow in obedience what God has called us to do. That's for me, Pastor Nate, Pastor Dean. That's for all of us. But these examples that he gave of these dreamers were like Cain, they were like Balaam, they were like Korah. He says these are spots. Notice what he says here. He says these are spots in your love feasts while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. Interesting. These are hidden reefs, some of your scripture says. You know, I used to work on a cruise ship. And when we would go to the Bahamas, we would go to Port Lacaya. And, and Port Lacaya was on the one side down. If you went around there were storms, a lot of times we'd go over to the other side of the island, Freeport, which we'd dock in Nassau, completely different island in the Bahamas. They've got all these different little islands. But in Port Lacaya, we couldn't come in close. There, there, again, there may be reefs. What was that, Concordia? Back in 2000, was it 15? Uh, one of them cruises over Mediterranean. Uh, they, they came in too close to the shoreline. So they got some documentaries on that. It's kind of probably well worth looking up and seeing too. The captain was kind of uh, not where he should have been probably and had given responsibility to some of the others that maybe weren't qualified and ends up costing many lives. They did this little cruise by like a drive-by. You know, by the island, let everybody see them. And then their drive-by... The, the guy who was a bit untrained and novice, there was some miscommunication. All of a sudden, they end up getting too close, and they end up hitting the hidden reefs in the night. And it shipwrecks the thing. And the thing completely turns over. Multitudes died. Uh, you can see footage from inside the ship because it's 2015, so everybody's got phones. I think Discovery Channel did something on it. Smithsonian Channel did something. Anyway, crazy. Guys, that's what he's talking about here. He said, these guys are like hidden reefs. You don't see them. Till it's too late. And when it's too late, they've shipwrecked the church. Now it's in disarray. Now it's in disavision. Now there's chaos. Now there's confusion. Now there's problems. Now there's us and them. There's these splits. That's what he's warning us about. Judah's saying, be careful. These guys are like stains. They will defile you. And so that's why we must always be on guard. Uh, and this is one of the reasons we do the new members class. It's so that we make sure we're on the same page. It's so that we're loud and clear up front that this is who we are. This is what we believe. If you believe that way, we'd love to be, have you as a part of Community Baptist Church. If you don't believe that way, we'd still like to have you as a part of Community Baptist Church as long as you understand that this is how and who we are and you are willing to be submissive to that. In other words, you're not, going to, you're not going to teach contrary to that. Because if you came in knowing that and you believe that way, but then you begin to teach contrary to that, that's a bit divisive, isn't it? In fact, Scripture warns uh, multiple times that many will come in unnoticed and their desire is to heap for themselves disciples. They're wanting to kind of get their own little following, like Korah. So here's the six attributes of the spots. Notice they have no fear. They serve themselves. They're selfish people. They're clouds. Now look, man, the other day, you know, we've been getting some rain. But I don't know if you were, the other week there was, there was a time, uh, I remember being outside because we were studying this, and I thought, dude, this is just like in Jude. It looked like, man, this cloud is going to dump some powerful rain. It was like, whoa! And it did nothing but blow, just wind. It was hot air. Y'all know some, no, don't, 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 don't you say this guy. <laughs> 
I'm not talking about the gift of gab. I'm talking about no substance. You know what we're serving up here today. We're talking about the Word of God. But you know these guys, these are guys that rant. Woo! They'll run around, sling their jacket, and they'll just, you know, spout out a bunch of rants. What's that? That ain't the Word of God. Man, I, look, I came through some churches. Man, you don't get me started. I could do some great impersonations of some of these cats. I mean, just rant. I mean, that's what they might as well be saying. There's no power in, in, in them because they're, they're not espousing, you know, they're not they're bringing the Word of God. These guys are clouds. They're empty. They're like autumn trees, double dead. I mean, it's bad enough you're dead, but you're double dead. I mean, it's, think about it. A tree that's dead and uprooted. That's why I told you this ain't politically correct. I mean, you imagine, try that out on Facebook today. No, maybe you shouldn't. You know, well, maybe you should. I don't know. You imagine it. Thank you, sir. I've got one doing it already. All right? I mean, just imagine. Hey, you're teaching. You're, you're like an autumn tree, double dead, uprooted. You've got no life in you, man. You're not, John 15, abiding in the vine. Guys, if we don't abide in Christ, and Christ's Word's not abiding in us, you got no root. You got no life-giving sap. You are empty. You are dead. You're like a branch ready to be broke off and turned into thrown into the fire. That's what Jude's talking about. That's what their teaching is. We've got to develop our discernment because we need to be able to see these teachers and hear these teachers immediately and know that's not Bible. There's no transforming grace of God that calls men out of darkness into light. There's no power that's moving and stirring in the hearts based upon the Word of God that causes that person to want to live different, live a holy life separated unto Christ. They're like autumn trees. They're like raging waves. Foaming up their own shame. I mean, we've seen... Look, the, the American Gospel... You guys remember some of those guys? Oh, sickening, isn't it? I mean, you know, I was, I was reading Truth Wars. By the way, if you want to read a good commentary, it's a book by John MacArthur. It's called Truth Wars. It's, uh, it's on Jude, the book of Jude. Very well done. And, of course, this is back in the Mark Driscoll days from Mars Hill. And I hated because, you know, I, I, there was some stuff Mark Driscoll did that, was, that, again, was good. But at first, he was deemed the cussing preacher. And there's an article in Brian McLaren, who's an emergent church heretic. Don't follow his stuff. Brian McLaren, I'll say it again. Don't follow his stuff. He's a heretic. He's with the emergent church. And he wrote about Mark Driscoll having, having dinner with him and, and, and kept referencing him as the cussing preacher. And he said, well, what's wrong with cussing, Pastor? I mean, you, you know, we use euphemisms all the time. Guys, let me just say, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good and necessary for grace, that it might impart grace to the hearer. No, that doesn't mean you're going to hell because you cuss. But why use that? That's not the salt God's calling it. Salty language. That's not, that's not the kind of... James tells us about the tongue. And so we need to be careful. These guys are raging waves. Just, they're wandering stars. Now this is, this is interesting. Think about in this day. Out at sea. How did seafarers mark their way across the ocean, across the sea? Using the stars. And so the stars were fixed points. 
And oh, if you wanted to get in trouble, if you wanted to get off course, if you wanted to get lost, then you pick out one of those meteorites. You pick out one of those stars that's, that's wandering, that's not a set point. And dude, you're going to end up in no man's land. And Jude's saying that. He says, watch out, be careful, don't put your eyes on a wandering star because you're going to end up lost. You're going to end up way out there in darkness. You want to stay on the fixed point of the Word of God. This is where we anchor our decisions. This is where you and I are going to find our discernment. And so Jude is making a strong point here, man. He says, look, you, you need to be careful. You need to watch this. He says, this, this is what these guys are, are, are like. They're, they're, they're wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. These are grumblers. Verses 16 through 18. Notice what he says. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Notice those grumblers up there? Yeah, we know those grumblers, don't we? I hope we don't have any grumblers here. Again, one of those, if we're, if we're not careful... Uh, We've all been guilty, haven't we? We've all been guilty. These guys, uh, they, they're, they're grumblers. They're critical. They find faults. They're fault finders. You ever been around fault finders? I mean, it don't matter what you do. They're going to find fault. You know, I, I kind of joke. Uh, you know, you hear it all the time. And it, it's true. Uh, you know, I, I'll just say this. don't want to get too political in the conversation. But let's just be real. I don't care who you are. Trump can find the cure for cancer, they're going to still find fault. I mean, that's just the reality, isn't it? I mean, that's the re it doesn't matter. Well, he's... You know, they're going to find fault. People find fault. Now, look, again, we, let's be careful. We can be critical sometimes, too. Right? But again, let's, let's... Lord, help us. Help us in this area. This is where I pray the Holy Spirit searches all of our hearts. Because you might not be a false teacher... But if we're not careful, we can sometimes behave in such a way, right? Even Peter said, you know, got, got in trouble. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, you know, we can all be tools of the devil if we're not careful. They're critical. And they're carnal. They're walking according to their own lust. Guys, this is, I think, the biggest problem in Christianity today. We who are created in the image of God are trying to create God in our image. We want God to move over to where we're at in life instead of us moving to where God is in life. And that's not how it needs to work. We need to ask God to get us on His page. And, and so, may the Lord help us in that. Um, they're also conceited. They boast about self. You know, again, if you watch some of the heretics on, on TV, there's a lot of boast um, uh, about themselves, their, their ministries, and um, it's just, this is who these apostates are. They're critical, they're carnal, they're conceited. Um, let me say this as I get ready to close. Don't let that keep you from knowing truth. When you share truth, it's, it, you will often be accused of being arrogant. 
be certain that you're not presenting truth in an attitude of arrogance. Truth should be delivered with gentleness and meekness and in the spirit and attitude of love. Well, you Christians think you know everything. You're a know-it-all. How come you're right? Who, who died and made you king? Well, actually, the king didn't make me king, but he died. You know. So, look, they're going to they're gonna throw these. Don't let that keep you from sharing the truth. Truth, by definition, is exclusive. And so a lot of times, all people are hearing, because they're hearing with carnal ears, is that you have it figured out. They don't. But the truth is, if you've been redeemed by the shed blood of Christ and you know Him and He knows you, you have found the way. You're a beggar who's found bread and you're wanting to share it. And that's the way we should present the gospel to people. I'm going to stop there. Uh, if you're studying tonight in your small groups, leaders, this is for you. Maybe just carry it to this verse uh, and save those other questions in the, in the uh, sheets that I've given you for next week or two weeks. So just maybe get to the grumblers part um, and, and we'll stop there. Um, so uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's close in, in, in prayer and, I, and we'll, we'll talk about some of these things before we dismiss. Father, your word is revealing to us the truth that in the last days, the days in which we live, it had already began. It began in Cain's day. It was way back in the garden even before that, but it's, it's been seen throughout. Um, and Jude is writing about it even in his day, and how much more now is prevalent, Lord. It's under the umbrella of Christianity. Uh, there's, there's many who, who tout the power of God and, and, and claim to, uh, to, to do all these mighty things in the name of Christ. Yet, Lord, they're, they're like empty clouds. They're like double dead trees. Lord, I pray that you will help your children, your people, to earnestly contend for the faith. Help us to know what we believe and why we believe it. Help us to be able to discern truth and error. And, Lord, your word will govern us in that. Your word will teach us in that. It's only by your word that we can know these things and by your Holy Spirit. May your spirit direct us and guide us according to your word. It will never contradict. You will never ask us to do things that's contrary to the character of Christ. And so, Lord, help us to, to expose the lies of the enemy just as Jude did so that we can be on guard, but not just on guard, Lord, that we can be on offense for the cause of Christ as we'll find later, that, that we might be able to have compassion on some, that we might be able to save some through fear. Hating the garments that's been spotted by the world, that means we, we overlook uh, in, in, in the, the sharing of the gospel maybe those differences, but we don't overlook the truth of the gospel. And trusting that when they come to you, that you will uh, do as you are doing in us as believers, transforming us and cleaning us. Therefore, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Lord, help us to become new in Christ. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Run this race and finish it well. Lord, I pray your blessing on care groups tonight. I pray that folks would uh, be involved in those. And Lord, that you will guide and direct in conversations and you'll bless the, all that's being done in that. 
And we'll give you the praise, Lord. Thank you again for this time to gather corporately, to open your word, to hear from you. Help us go this week and apply it to be a witness for the cause of Christ. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.